Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Sister Sight. Um, I am Jackie, your host, co-host, co-hostess, co-hostess with the second mostest, because we share the mostest with everybody we meet ist. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the truth right there. So um, I am a cloud walker, which means that I frequently walk in the clouds. But since I'm also part of this world, I also ground down quite a bit. So if you're going to be in the clouds, you have to ground. If you're going to be grounding, then you're going to find yourself in the clouds. Above, so below. As below, so above. <laughs> so I am Diamond. I'm I'm a green witch. Um, power I dabble in cult, and um, I'm a musician and hairstylist. I do a lot of things. So, <laughs> our really really doing this. Um, Jackie and I met many moons ago um, through, I would say, the music scene. Wouldn't you say? I would definitely say the music scene. Yeah. Um, coming from two completely different directions and sort of just crossing paths one day, magically. As most things happen in our life, it is usually magical. <laughs> True. Um, so I think we should go ahead and just maybe tell a little bit about ourselves. And I think you should go first. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. So um, I am a dream interpreter and an energy worker. I'm also a tarot reader. I will. I would say that I'm a divinationist, a divinist, a diviner. I guess that's a better word, diviner. That does not mean that I am divine. That means yeah, that I read are. the divine. <laughs> <laughs> But I have been studying um, a bunch of different forms of divination since I was 12. The first one that I really started delving into was dreams. So I've been studying my own dreams since I was around 12 years old. So I have a lot to bring about the dreams because the dreams are so important. Um, I began working with energy probably a lot younger than I will give myself credit for, but I will give myself credit for and say college. I've been out of college since 2015. So it was probably like three or four years before that, maybe three years before that I like really began working with energy and like finding my path and recognizing that God is talking to me and maybe I should do what God wants me to do. Cause like, I obviously have no direction in life and that's, thing seems like it has a plan for me so maybe I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna do that plan because I don't have a plan and that plan sounds pretty good (laughs) and I've been living my life like that ever since it's been a wild amazing ride yeah and I think it partly it's like you 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 make you realize that you're working with that it it is actually something uh, I don't want to say tangible but it's possible and it's in everything so when you start to realize you can like kind of manipulate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and that you are you have been your whole life yeah I mean I remember the first time that I ever like healed something like actually healed something it was um it was a luna luna moth I was 14 I wasn't even driving yet 
and it was outside of my house during the day. And I like walked over to it and was like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. I've never seen you before. But its wing was ripped to shreds, just one of it. And I was like, there's no way you're ever going to fly again. I like mourned the loss of this person that I just met. And like, so I like sat down with it and I put my hands down and it crawled into my hands. And I just sat there and like cried for a while. And then I just thought about it flying and I like put my thought of it flying and it healing and it being okay. Like you're going to be, you're going to be fine. Even if you're not going to be fine, you are still going to be fine on some level because if you get eaten, that's fine. You know, like you have performed your task of the circle of life. And then like, oh man, I spent, had to be 30 minutes easily with that thing, just like holding it in my hands and wishing it would fly. And it just flew away. And I was like, I do not know how you are working right now. (laughs) Your wing is gone, man. Like, oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. I felt like super really good about it and super light. And I was like all bubbly and laughy for like the rest of the day. And like 14 year old Jackie was really bubbly and laughy. 14 year old Jackie was a teenager. And like all of them, they go through shit. Oh my God, this cat. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's all right. I mean, he's. Um, so. Yeah, so I feel like your intro into any type of healing was with animals, wouldn't you say? I would definitely say that. I've had a very real and very intense connection with animals my entire life. Like, from the very first memories I have were standing up to my parents about not squishing spiders. Like, you know... I was that toddler that was like running over, like batting their hands away. I couldn't even like speak words fully. And they're like, what the fuck is up with this child? And I'm like, no, it's alive. You know, Uh, they told me that the very first time I ever broke my grandfather's heart, I was like, oh, this is a great story right here. Yay. Here you go, child. Here's the first time you broke your grandfather's heart. Okay, fine. (laughs) I accept that. That's like the, when you grow up, that's like the whole thing that you're doing is you're consistently finding yourself in situations where if you're following your true light and your true self, you're going to be breaking your family's heart because if they want something different from you, then you can't give that if it's not part of you. And I am the black sheep of my family. So I was breaking everybody's hearts (laughs) for a while. I sit with that and that's like, I'm sorry that that happened, but this is the way that I live. And this is, you have to accept that. Anyways, um, I lived in an underground house. It was the very first house that I lived in. So like the top of the roof was grass and you had to like mow it. It was fascinating. I loved that house. Yeah. I lived in like a hobbit home for the first like uh, six or six years maybe six years of my life I guess that's amazing yeah like the whole wall the whole front of it was nothing but glass and then like you would come in and it'd be like warm but like also cool and like oh I just it was literally a house inside of a hill yeah wow yeah yeah I have a lot of great memories there uh but this story happens there um I was a very very small child and I had made friends with a bee he was named was Mr. B. I named this B and his name was Mr. B. And me and Mr. B, we like were friends, man. Like he'd crawl on me. I'd take him other places. We'd be totally fine. 
And I wanted my family to meet Mr. B because I love my family and Mr. B is pretty cool. So like, maybe we can be family too, Mr. B. Like, how's, how's that going to be? Like, that's, that'd be fine. Yeah. So I get my grandfather and bring him to Mr. B and I'm like, look, it's Mr. B. And like, I hold the B out for him and he, of course, because I am a child and he must protect me, right. swats the bee out of my hands and then crushes the bee in front of my face. Oh. And I didn't talk to him for like a week. <laughs> well, I wouldn't talk to him for like a week and I was very mad at him and he couldn't understand why because I came from a family of people who don't didn't fully understand, you know, like, especially my like younger years, like what was up with my connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, I don't think my grandfather ever really fully could understand it because of how he was raised and, you know, his life experiences. And that's totally fine that he couldn't really get it. Like, I accept that and move past it. It's just a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, people are different. Sure. But, yeah, I think both of our hearts got broken that day for sure. Oh. <laughs> Mr. B. <laughs> that's, like, really sweet, though. So interesting, like going back to childhood, I was always playing outside, always just in the mud. We had a pond and it was my fucking pond. And uh, (laughs) I was like a master frog catcher. I had like all these different bucket techniques. I would like, I would walk around the pond and find little like, um, you know, the jelly fluid sacks of like frog eggs. Like I could spot them in a and I would fucking and I would incubate them in my like hatch and I was obsessed with frogs and I was I'd put them in my house and my mom would be like, Oh like we need to put Mr. Frog outside, you know. But she was fine with it. But I actually grew up and not many people know this. I grew up in like basically a dilapidated building. Like my parents bought a historical home that what literally had no electricity, no running water, like nothing. Like the first night we spent there, um, it was pitch black. I was like four or five years and the floor was covered in bird skeletons like bird bones and bird shit and we're like my dad like puts a tarp down to like hide it from us but you're like walking on the tarp and you're just like crunch 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 and uh we spent the night like on sleeping bags like on the bird bones and just so from that day like to the house and obviously we had electricity and water I was like ashamed of it for a long time and I didn't invite people didn't but it, I think that like forced me to kind of like spend more time with myself and like, and that's why I had this great connection with nature. Cause I would, if I was in, I'd be like, depressing and weird. This is like normal. And, uh, and so when I went outside, like this is the world, like, you know, we have beautiful big trees, flowers, pond. And so I, this huge connection with nature um and also my house was haunted so it was pretty wild there were a lot of uh instances where like we had a piano and like the piano would just like play at night by itself or doors would open windows would like slam shut and open um and like I mean it was crazy and I like I remember it but it when it's happening you're like oh this is like 
there's like my dad's like there's a reasonable explanation for everything like you don't need to worry like it's logical <laughs> and then my mom's over here like yeah like last night I saw this shadowy figure in a top hat at the foot of my bed and you know so I had these like two different like the dichotomy of my parents and so I think that kind of shaped my I have this like magical mystical view of life but then I have from my dad this like logical approach so I like to kind of marry the two and I like to like pick things apart and figure out why it works that way but I of course you come to find like you can't get the answers to everything some of it is intuition and it's in your heart and you just feel it but yeah that's kind of how my experience that's absolutely beautiful (laughs) man like I think that's great and it also explains your connection to the subtle realities so well like of course you'd pick things apart you carry an eater (laughs) (laughs) I'm one too. It's totally cool. <laughs> That's amazing, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we totally would have been friends at that age. Yeah, and I, it's weird because, like, you like you felt different from your family. I felt different from, like, I mean, I think we both were, like, outsiders, like, in our own ways, you know? So we would have totally, like, just probably built a little fantasy friendship that, like, in our own little world, like we kind mm-hmm. of did now. I mean... yeah 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 I just imagine if we had met at that time like you would have been playing in the woods and I would have been playing in the woods and we would have slowly began playing in the same area and like at first it would have been like I find tracks there's been another person here and then you're like wait a second I'm finding tracks and you start like leaving messages to each other thinking that we're both like like earth spirits and we're not actually corporeal you know and then like one day we're both going to leave messages to each other and we're like oh you're human you're real (laughs) oh that's awesome i love it i think that's exactly how we would have met yeah i think you're right (laughs) totally and another cool thing about you and i is that like even throughout our friendship as it's blossomed and grown we've always dreamt of each other and like shared mm-hmm. dreams and I feel like that brought us like even spiritually closer together just like mm-hmm. sharing that dream world together which is really interesting yeah it's like we when we dream of each other we are talking to each other like our spirits are talking to each other without our waking sense actually realizing that we're doing it mm-hmm. And I I love that, too, because we do have such a connection. And when we first met, the connection was, like, palpable. It was like, oh, my God, it's you. I found you. Let us be friends now. We need to resume (laughs) this friendship, you know. And then it was like my dreamscape was like, oh, yeah, dude, what's up? I remember you. Uh How you doing? (laughs) Uh Exactly. Totally. And watching each other grow, like, I feel like I've seen you morph since I first met you, you know. And like blossom, yeah, really. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done that. <laughs> I've definitely changed. <laughs> I mean, I've uh, in looking back on who I started the world as and who I am now, like the amount that I've changed is is really astounding to me personally because I was legitimately with me every step of the way, you know, right. <laughs> Nobody else knows that change but me because nobody else is in my head. But like, you know, I used to be so filled with anger and rage and angst and just complete and utter lostness. And like, I was super antisocial. Like growing up, I was an outsider. 
but I outsided myself a lot and I recognized that but it was also because like I had experiences that I would try to tell to people and they would just look at me like you're just really imaginative and like yeah I am really imaginative Mm -hmm. but like what about you you know and it's Sometimes it's difficult for people to relate to other people if they don't have similar experiences. You know, it's just like, oh, you're here and I don't really know what to talk to you about because every time I talk to you, you like really want to just talk about dreams or what reality is made of. And like, I just want to talk about how cute this dude is. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Um, I've had. My, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me, and he's been shout out to Drew. Whoa, but like he's been the rock in my life, my entire life. Like he has saved me numerous times, especially when I was a child. My mom would tell me stories about like this wind story comes out a lot, and I love it. She put me as an infant. She put me in a laundry basket, and she was folding the laundry in the basket. And my brother, who is three at the time, because I'm an infant, he runs in and just grabs me and pulls me back. And my mom goes to like chide him because I'm an infant and you need to hold me appropriately. And right as she turns to chide him, the chandelier that was in the the area that was there falls directly where I was at. I know. And that like that has happened like a couple of times where he's just like magically intervened at the right time to save my fucking hide. So he's definitely been somebody who's always been in my life. Obviously, I'm related to him, but you know, that I reach out to and I talk to frequently as much as oft- as much as I can as often as I can. He's an integral part of my life and he has seen me grow so much because like he's been there since I was born until you know I die word up for real though I do hope that I die before him because I don't want to live in the world without him (laughs) you know whatever yeah so I have a brother too he's one year older and uh he basically like disowned me as a sister and some of our last conversations which okay Asperger's very on the spectrum, like highly intelligent functioning, but actually emotionally just vapid. So, um, our last conversations, which were fights, like he is super hardcore atheist. And so when I would express anything spiritual and like the time, the last time that we were together, like I was just leaving my herbal school and I was like, I'm insensitive. You know, I thought about it's all I want. So I tried to talk to him about it and he just like, He's like disgusted with me. Like, I, like oh like, no, like it's weird. But it's, I, I can confirm and I see that maybe he not a he has no outlet and he doesn't know how to like express himself and he projects that onto other people. But I mean, I love him. I'll always love him. He's my fucking like. We were super tight when we were growing up until adulthood. Now, like, my phone number is blocked. My Facebook is blocked. He has kids, and I can only. Like through his girlfriend, which is cool. She hates, but super. Like it's so that person. Yeah, that, like, that's hard. Your whole life, who knows you better than anyone, has had more experiences with you than anyone. Just like shuts you out. Pretty fucking dark. Yeah, I'm sorry that that's happened to yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I crossed. It was hard for the first 
third too, or like the third. So, you know. I mean, I think it speaks less about like your relationship to him and more about his relationship to God or source because like he's he is so disgusted and he like <laughs> literally blocked you and cut you out and I think that probably is what he did with God too yeah I mean Just... he he's like a in pain he's he's like rest anxious medicated person so I know that he struggles with but is very close off so anyway that's kind of a down but <clears throat> Hey, the truth is not always beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, though. Yeah. It's not a lot of people deal with being, like, outcasted by people they thought, you know, were, like, family forever. But it really just makes you sure. And it's like, I have nothing for him. And if he I would open up, of course. So it's been a lesson for me, too, in some way. Yeah, I understand them. I mean, I do really, I am very fond of the the age old adage. I like that saying too, uh, that the the blood of the coven is thicker than the water from the womb. Mm, It's the fullness, it's the real one. I mean, people like to chop quotes down to make it fit better in their, their theology, but the realness is, is the the blood of the coven is thicker than the water from the womb. It makes sense. Especially if you mm-hmm. think in terms of like reincarnation, I believe that we return to this earth many times with a soul family that you know, plays different roles in our lives. And so you could be so close with someone who, yeah, shares no physical blood with you. It's just a facet of family. <clears throat> yeah, I also agree with that. I learned at a at a very young age that family is what you make it. You know, you don't have to the people that you're born into can legitimately hate you so much that they want to kill you and try to kill you and you know, they don't have to be a part of your life just because you have relations to them that are huge, big ones. They're those that are closest to you are born with you to teach you a lesson. Well, those who will become closest to you are not born with you to teach you a lesson because the lessons that they are going to give you are lessons that you yourself have to seek. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. It's a cat. It's a fucking cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so why don't we talk about a little bit about like um maybe our first experience like feeling that source was like a like a true force in our existence if there was like a turning point okay. for you maybe there totally was a turning point for me like a huge turning point do you want to go first uh, or do you way, want you go ahead oh, yeah. okay so um i I'm from Alabama. It's a weird place in Alabama. I have nothing but love for the state. It's absolutely beautiful place. Sometimes the people aren't, but the state is absolutely gorgeous. True talk right there. 
Um, I grew up in a very small town. It's less than 2,000 people. You can walk it easily in less than an hour. There's no red lights. They put them in every couple of years to make themselves feel better. <laughs> and then they take them down because there's no point in it. <laughs> really confusing. Um, so the town was really, really small. And uh, the different sides of my family were kind of estranged from each other. I had my mom's side of the family, which was Baptist, like Bible thump and Baptist, which I went to church with them sometimes and nobody questioned anything. You weren't allowed to question things. And I <laughs> came into the world asking questions, <laughs> you know, I'm sure my first word was like mom or dad, but it should have been why, <laughs> like for real. And um, my dad's side of the family is quote unquote Catholic. Uh, they're not actually not Catholic, but they they use this uh, Catholicism as a shield because my grandfather on my father's side was the doctor of the town. And if they didn't put up a front that they believed in God, then nobody would come to him because that's what super small towns in the literal middle of Alabama do. Like that's the Bible buckle of the belt. <laughs> and so they didn't like there was no Catholic churches around us, so they didn't have to go to church. They didn't have to pretend. So I think that's why they were like, oh, we Catholic. We are not going to attend your church service. Wait, but did your parents grow up there also or did they move there? Yes. Okay. No. So my parents, my parents, parents, my grandparents grew okay. up there. I uh, don't know about my great grandparents. Both sides are kind of fuzzy on who those people were. But my grandparents grew up there. From houses that they lived in there so I assume that my great-grandparents did as well um, my parents grew up there went to college like grew up the entire time there they went to elementary school together oh, wow. yeah like they've known each other forever literally at this point you know okay maybe not literally you're right that was a <laughs> weird statement of forever they've known each other forever literally like no I'm sorry you're right I caught myself my bad but so they grew up there. And then when they went to college, you know, they both stayed in the state of Alabama for college. And then like they kind of they were actually really good friends for all of their life. They both have been married twice. They both got divorced twice. And it was through those divorces that they became like a couple, like solidified in their coupledom. And um, <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell the story on my <laughs> Uncle Hoyt, who's. A wonderful human being but dead now but uh, my mom did not want to marry my dad she told him that she would never marry mm -hmm. again right and my dad had been asking her like like every day for two weeks or something and she'd just say like no dude what we got's fine we don't need to make it legal like what we got's fine and so my dad went to her um her uncle Hoyt who is actually my great uncle but I know him as uncle so she, he went to my great uncle Hoyt and was like, yo, I really want to marry Tina, but like, she keeps telling me no. And he's like, oh, okay, well get ready to get married this weekend. And he was oh like, yeah, you'll help me. And he's like, no, just get ready to get married this weekend. And he walked up to my mom, my great uncle walked up to my mom and said, Tina, Bennett wants to marry you. Yeah, I know, but I don't really want to marry anybody. Tina, you're getting married this weekend. Oh, Okay, I guess I'll go get a dress. And that weekend they were married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the weirdest shotgun wedding without any like pregnancies or anything. Cause they like actually planned 
the children in their lives like they plan my brother and then they yeah. plan me so it wasn't like you know oh she's pregnant we need to get married it was like oh I really want to marry her yo help me yeah. with that <laughs> so that's how that happened so yeah they've they've um They've been in that area their entire life. Uh, when I was a child, we moved around a lot. So I'm actually not, wasn't born in that area. I was born in North Alabama. It's called Fort Payne, which is where the underground house was. It's 45 minutes from Chattanooga. Chattanooga. We can keep that one. Chattanooga <laughs> it is. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I was born. And then from there, I moved to a place called Pell City, Alabama, which is a little south, but still very north. Uh, my dad then worked at the Talladega, the Talladega prison as a doctor there. My dad's a doctor, just to let the listenership know. My dad is a doctor. He worked as a, a doctor there. He, um, well, this is a really long story to get to how I, I found God. Always. <laughs> 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 always takes a fucking lifetime. <laughs> yeah, he, um, I remember from that period, the thing that I remember the most about my parents, not about my growth, but like about their growth is that my dad um, had to go into work and we went into hiding because the prison had a riot and it was like a huge riot. I think it was in 92 or something. It actually is an amazing riot because if you, you can look up stuff about it now. It's totally cool. Obviously it's, public knowledge but they didn't have any deaths whatsoever but when it happened like it came on the news and there was like half the prison was like on fire and like people were like bloody and my mom is like ah, you're not going and he's like it is my duty in life to go and make sure everybody is okay I'm being called in right now. My dad was the first doctor to have ever been admitted onto a sort team. A sort team is like you use guns and take out people and you like wear black ops, you know. Yeah, to like quiet riots. So he actually was called in for that, like, which is cool. But when he got there, he saw that there was more of a need for medical than him being a gun shooty person. Uh, The reason he's the first doctor to do it is because it kind of actually like, goes against the Hippocratic Oath, which is why when he did it, he was like, yo, I'm under Hippocratic Oath. So no matter what, no matter what the situation is, being a doctor will always come first Mm -hmm. than anything. And that moment in his life proved that to be very true for him because he walked on the scene, immediately took his like black hat and black shirt off and put on a doctor coat and immediately was like, we're going to doctor people. And he did, you know, he's a lifesaver. He's yeah, he's pretty great. He's pretty great guy. He's all right. I like him. He's all right. <laughs> I love my father. He's a trip. I love him. But from there, we moved to North Dakota, which was crazy. And I was like nine, I think, when we moved there. So I got out of the deep south and into the high up north cold. And we lived there for like five years or less, maybe. I'm not sure. And then we came back and moved straight into the town that they lived in, that they grew up in with my grandparents, like both sides of my grandparents. So I was exposed to a whole bunch of different kind of like weird ideas of formalized religion. 
you know, in Alabama, it's church every Sunday, church every mm-hmm. Wednesday, Bible school. Yeah. You know, like you got to do that shit. Bible vacation week, you know, whatever. And I never really was like a part of that because we always lived in the country. So like my first experiences with what I would consider God was always with nature, always hand in hand in nature. Like everything that I was involved in was very outside, very tuned into that world. Like anything that I can talk to animals Mm -hmm. with, let's do that. And then um, when I went to North Dakota, everyone was kind of super laid back about it. Like they didn't care. And I was in elementary school when we were in North Dakota. So I was just like, awesome. I don't have to like dress up and go to Sunday. I can (laughs) sleep in and watch cartoons. What? That's this tight. And then we moved back to the central Alabama to that town which I don't want to name because it doesn't deserve a name because I had a lot of shitty things happen and that is how I cope. (laughs) But so we moved back to the town that they lived in and it was like kind of like right back into the like, you got to be part of God. You got to be in this religion, like this organized religion thing. And I really wasn't into it. And I went from being in elementary school because I was in fifth, sixth grade. I was in sixth grade when we no. left. Oh, dog. You have cats, <laughs> I have dogs. Whoa. <laughs> but I went from being in sixth grade in elementary school in North Dakota to being in sixth grade in middle school in Alabama, which was super weird mind trip. And like, I also went from being, I had like a lot of, well, what the uh, establishment would call like mental mm-hmm. breaks when I was a kid. Like there was just, there was no one who I would consider my peer around me. And I didn't have friends that I could really talk to about things. And I didn't really want to talk to my mom. And there was a lot of pushing me out from what would have been considered my peers, like people of my own age. They didn't include me they didn't hang out with me and there was a lot of instances where like I would make a friend for a little bit and we'd be like becoming like really good friends and I was like learning to navigate that world and then I would hang out with their house and meet their parents and then their parents would tell me that I wasn't allowed back over there that happened like a couple of times so I have like weird kind of like traumatic issues that I've been working through the years to like recognize that I am worthwhile and you know you're not going to abandon me because I'm me because you chose me and I chose you but like that was pretty effective and so when I went from Alabama North Dakota I'm sorry when I went from North Dakota to Alabama I went from having absolutely no friends to a place where it was like we get a new person every like six years and this is the year we got you and oh my god let's be friends with everybody and so everybody went it went from like nobody even recognizing that I existed to everybody watching me overnight and it was overwhelming it was absolutely overwhelming and in North Dakota I had um quite a few instances where I just like would stop in the middle of class and just stop doing any work whatsoever. I wouldn't even take notes and I would just stare at my desk or I would stare outside or like I would just start crying, like not sobbing loud cries. I would just, tears would just start running down my, you know, my cheeks and my face. 
And um, when I came to Alabama, that like was sated, but people needed like interaction with me now. So I actually othered myself a bit because all I had been knowing for like so many years of my life was being outside, was being othered. And now the whole group was like trying to bring me in and it was too much, too fast. And I didn't know how to navigate that. So like I acted out in very weird ways. I barked at people (laughs) in the halls. Oh, actually my very first boyfriend says the very first time he ever spoke to me, he asked me the time. And my reply was to bark at him. I just barked at him. And he said he liked me from that moment on. And I was like, you are weird and I'm okay with it. (laughs) But you know, so like I did things like that to put space between me and the rest of the world. And that just kind of kept not me like barking at people. Like I obviously stopped that. Well, it's almost like now you, I bark at dogs. Like, put on this like super weirdness to like be defensive about it. So it's like you can't judge me for being me because I'm gonna be super fucking weird in your face, and you're just gonna have to like judge me for that. So coping mechanism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a coping mechanism. It was how I chose to survive, and it did help me survive a lot. Um, but because of that, it was also like this rebellious nature that got really ingrained in me. Like, we all have an inner rebel, and I am definitely not, you know, I definitely have one. And, you know, everyone was trying to come at me and be like, you got to go to church. What church do you go to? You want to come to my church? Our church is better than this church. And I just really didn't like that whole dynamic. So uh, in like sixth grade, I decided that I was an atheist, like straight up. I was like, no, that shit isn't real. You guys are the crazy ones in this situation. I'm going to go sit by this tree and you can do whatever it is over there studying your weird pieces of thin paper you know like whatever and um so it worked out pretty well uh, the older I got the more I like would make sure to lock my doors on Sundays because my mom's still a Baptist my dad is n- not he has his own form of spirituality I'm sure he believes in something for a while I didn't think he did but now I kind of think maybe he does but you know everybody's mm-hmm. different So I was really angry. I was really angry at God because of, you know, like how I'd been treated. I didn't think it was fair. I saw a lot of unfairness in the world. And then when I was 12, I had this situation happen that like destroyed my family, like the whole family dynamic. Like I only have my mother's side of the family because my father's side of the family straight up disowned me. Mm -hmm. They disowned my mom. They disowned my dad, their son. They disowned my brother. Like, it, it was a thing that got so bad that lives were actually legitimately was threatened. and actually, No, these oh. are the atheist people that okay, are Catholic, gotcha. the atheist Catholics. Yeah. Um, and they're really greedy. So it was all about money. It was like this huge money thing. Like my dad was doing better doctor practices than my, his his dad was and he was losing money at it I guess I don't really know the full situation I was 12 I didn't really care I just didn't want my dad to die because you know oh my, my dad got shot over it yeah like he his father shot him and then his mother chose to scream at him in the middle of the street as he's bleeding out and being like I hope you die you son of a bitch And the best part about this whole story is that the irony in that moment was not lost on my father because he said that when he was laying there in their driveway 
bleeding, hoping an ambulance would come get him. It missed all of his major, major organs. It just went straight through. It was crazy. But he realized that, yes, he is the son of a bitch because his mother <laughs> is a bitch. Well, the realizations we have in our life is potentially Whoa, that is crazy. <laughs> his own dad shot him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, real crazy. So they, like, you know, they acted out, and I felt that whole thing was super unfair, you know? Like, the whole town, because it's a super small town, are in your business about it. So, like, the whole town, like, split itself, and then at school, I had to listen to people either say that my dad was in the right or that my dad was in the wrong and that my grandfather was right and that my dad should have died. And that's, like, super fucked up to hear when you're 12. some bored kids, yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, like, why the fuck are you saying that to me? Like, that's messed up. I'm super happy my dad's alive. Like, that would have been really crappy if he died. But no, he's he's still alive. He's currently in the living room, probably (laughs) watching some news, because he likes the news, which is totally cool. (laughs) What up, dad? Watch that news, bro. Watch it. But, um, yeah, so I've that situation happened to me and that, like, further made me distance myself from God because, like, if God was real, why would he do that to a good man? Why would he do that to my dad? Why would he do that to me? Why would he do that to my brother? Why would he do that to my mom? Why would he have people in the world like my grandparents on my dad's side who are just so enriched in their money and their greed that they can't see themselves? Mm-hmm. They just buy everything and... The problem they had with our side of us as a family is they couldn't ever buy our love. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was real. It's like they tried, and I was just always like, Well, thanks for the book, but I'm gonna go outside and read because you're not yeah. spending time with me. You don't care about my safety or livelihood. No. So I was really mad at God for a long time. And then when I started college. I realized that it was probably safer for me to say that I'm an agnostic because I think it's pretty egotistical to say, no, God doesn't exist. And this is what is going on. Like that's pretty ego driven. And I was definitely moving into a place in that time where I was more about humbling myself and trying to not be like, I know what's right. Cause I did that when I was a teen and it didn't really work out for me very well. So, you know, I became agnostic and then, um, but I, I did, notice as college went on that the more I spoke or thought of of the whole idea of source energy, the more that it was like, I would speak about it as if it did exist, even though I wasn't sure that it existed. And then I recognized that I was doing that when I was an atheist too. I was speaking about God and source as if it did exist and I was putting anger toward it because I was really mad about the situations that I was given, which is fine. It happens. But I'm saying it doesn't exist, yet I am still speaking as if it does exist. And then one really beautiful summer day, I'm sitting at the house that I lived in and I'm just like, you know, I'm crying a whole lot because I just realized that I've just been lying to myself for so many years because obviously deep down inside of me, a very real large part of my subtle body system knew, knows, and believed in God at that point. But my conscious part wasn't coping in the best way. So instead of dealing with it and bringing it in and like working through those things, it shoved it outside, 
shut the door very brashly and locked it and just like <laughs> you you know that's that's how I coped in that time and but then I did realize that I was lying to myself and that like actually was so I was so much filled with so much shame over it you know like oh my god I just that's like the biggest lie I've ever told to myself like yeah that's a huge lie I just lived like 20 something years of my life being like god is he real god might be real and then being like oh wait actually real this whole time to me yeah to me god has been real this whole time and then after that my life really started changing like in really deep subtle ways that i couldn't even comprehend at all in any way and it just keeps changing and melding and becoming more and more solid and grounded and filled and complete in ways that that I did not have when I was just super mad at God and was like no you know you don't you don't you don't you're not real I'm mad at you yeah. you don't exist <laughs> that's not how we deal with things like if I'm mad at you I talk to you about it <laughs> I don't be like Santi's not real <laughs> I'm just mad at her she's not real right now not real <laughs> not real she's been my imagination this whole time <laughs> i love that so that's a really long <laughs> version of my story <laughs> interesting though and it's so interesting to find like i mean when i think of alabama which you know i grew up in tennessee it's like these like cultural wastelands that are like dominated by yeah, the baptists and the whoever but to find like this beautiful part of yourself after like experiencing that for your whole life. Like, of course it took you so long to like get to where you are, but it had to happen that way, you know? And Mm -hmm. being in those like weird cultural wastelands just forces you to like go inward more. So that's why you can look at yourself and oh my, I realize what I do believe in, what I have. Whereas people who don't ever look forward are just you know like regurgitating whatever they hear or whatever someone tells them is true and they don't they don't search it for themselves so yeah it's so powerful yeah um, yeah i stopped wor- walking in circles with it and started oh, walking yeah. in a spiral which is mm-hmm. the whole point to me you know so it was definitely a weird time i remember like thinking like oh god (sighs) I have so much anxiety over telling my family that I really (laughs) believe in god (laughs) because they for so long knew that I was you know very stout on my beliefs on it and then it was almost like this huge relief to everybody that I was just like yo actually um I believe in source I believe that we all come from one source and it like trickles down into billions upon billions upon infinite numbers of different things but we're all the same thing and Buddhism actually also helped me a lot. I began studying Buddhism in high school because I was like, I obviously need a religion to not stick out like a sore thumb and be kind of like weirdly bullied in times. So I started telling people that I was Buddhist without having knowing anything about Mm -hmm. Buddhism other than I liked the Dalai Lama. 
And then I was like, actually, if I'm going to tell people that I'm Buddhist to like get them off my back, maybe I should learn about it. And like, since then, like there have been times in my life where I've gotten like super into Buddhism. And there have been times where I'm like, Buddhism plays a huge role in my life, but there are other spiritual modalities. And I've, I'm also like a spiritual studies person. I've turned into a huge spiritual studies person. I love reading about all different kinds of spiritualities. Religions are cool, but spirituality is really the thing that gets me going. So, you know, I took a class from Harvard about Buddhism Ooh, like two years ago. It was yeah. a free class. It was great. I loved it. Awesome. That's yeah. I was connected more deeply with like uh, green magic. You know, that was like, I don't know, the way it, it translates more easily into my psyche by studying those things. But I think for me, like the, the whole spiritual journey, it all kind of, it was like, I was always interested in, I always called myself a witch, even before I knew anything about it, you know, I thought it was like so cool, but um, I was always into astrology and like meditation and all tools for like, spirituality, connected that God with this like version that I had been fed, you know, finding the, finding the same, absolute same, those things, that's when it all started to make for me, you know, elements you look at translates into the tarot look at how that translates into astrology and you know it's all good. so look at how it I translates into your cup of tea in the morning every day of every, every season of every year of your body it's all, it's all the same it comes from the source yeah yeah it's all it really is. beautiful little spiral <laughs> yeah i agree with that um I couldn't use witchcraft at that time to like, I began studying divination when I was like 12, probably younger than 12, but I'll just <laughs> give it to 12 because 12 seems like a good year. Um, but where I was at was like, you know, the Bible belt. And I have explored my past lives uh, quite a good bit. And I know that I have been burned at the stake quite a few times. And so I've always had this thing where I've hidden my spirituality. I've hidden all of the things that I believed in and thought of because if I felt that if I like put that out mm -hmm. there, then I'd like be burned at the stake again, which is very <laughs> real in Alabama. <laughs> you know, like witches don't, mm -hmm. witches are not welcome here. Weird. Even my mom being of that like boomer generation, like I call her a witch all the time. She's like, don't say that. I'm not a witch. And I'm like, mom, do you even know what a fucking witch is? You know where the word comes from? Like, what are you talking about? Of course you're a witch. You know, you explain it's like a wise woman who like has a connection <laughs> to the earth and energies. And she's like, oh, okay. I'm like, it's not satanic. Like, come on, woman. <laughs> like, you gave me my first tarot deck when I was like, you know, they just want old. you to think like, that. Get real. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Words have a lot of power. They do. Yeah. So I was given my first tarot deck yeah. around 13 or 14 as well. My dad's mom bought it for me because I specifically asked for it because nobody would buy me books that I wanted to read. And I was super into witchcraft and Wicca at that time. So we would go to the local store and she was the only one who would buy it for me because she wanted my loyalty. So she would buy me whatever I wanted. And she also didn't care about the actual contents of it. But so when my dad, I'm sorry, this was, this had to be younger than 12. This had to be younger than 12 because that happened when I was 12. When my dad got shot, that whole thing went to like court. I didn't get oh seen in court God. until I was 24. So 12 years later, it actually went to court. Yeah, the whole system's fucked. But um, those 
books and those decks that I had, because I also had the animal medicine deck, which I would love to know where he's at. But all of that got taken away from me by my parents to use in court against my grandmother. Because obviously oh. she's not a good Christian woman. She's buying my daughter's witch- witchcraft stuff. Yeah, no, I know. It was super fucked. It was super fucked. Yeah. But like, okay. So I I went with Buddhism because like, oh, you can't be mad at me if I'm Buddhist. <laughs> I'm like a pacifist. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. So, okay, so what's your story? <laughs> I've talked so much about so, myself. Do you talk about you now? <laughs> really similar. So I grew up in Clarksville, which is not as small as your hometown, but it felt small at the time. It's a military town. It's if you go town Clarksville, there are like three streets and in like you know six block area. And if you if you do six, you turn town every church steeple, you probably see like twelve steeples and. So like just so Christian, so thickly Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, so I want to go back to like my very, very first like spiritual experience. I must have been, this is like one of my earliest, earliest memories. I was probably three. I don't know what it was, but we were living in New York. Um, right, we were living in this like Greek Orthodox Greek and um, he was like the handyman there. So we lived for free. Um, but one Sunday, I remember, okay, everyone get ready, you know, and this was like, like, community was Greek Orthodox, like there was a church on site, everything was like religious, you know, just very traditional Greek. Um, I get ready, we're going to church, so we're all like, okay, we're going to do this on Sunday. So I'll get ready, he's like, all right, get in the car, let's go, and you just start to driving, and I'm like, past the you know, the chapel, like, where are we going? And so he keeps driving and we go and I didn't know, but it's bare mountain and it's under the community. And it's so beautiful out there, like waterfalls and forests. And it's just gorgeous. So it's out to this, like look on the mountain. And he was like, okay, we're at church. Like, this is God. And I was, and I like, you know, you're a kid, you're just like, wait, what? <gasps> like, are people coming? And it's, he's like, no, like this around you, this is God, <laughs> God is in all God in you, God is in everything. Like this is God. Remember that like this is God. And so I like it, it was like magical and I was like, oh wow. But it didn't really click, you know. And so that was like the the very beginning of understanding like my father is a deeply spiritual person, but I grew up in the group doctor church he no longer goes to church he hasn't gone like my entire life you know so tennessee i was like four or five old like my dad never put in the church like nothing to do with it so i have this really spiritual really uh like my father he would pray for over dinner and he would say in the name of the universe amen and my mom would be like my mom's like that's blasphemous like don't say nice so my mom was raised mormon he brought mother and I in the church, um, but she was never like a good Mormon. She was never like a good girl. You know, she would drink coffee and, and do drugs and whatever. And so, so it like, and we always knew. Oh, mom, mom just calling like, you out. When you meet her, you can tell, you know, she speaks the way she dresses like she. Mm-hmm. And she always told us, which is really cute. So like, she's, she's a magical person, but. 
asking us to go to Mormon church. So in my mind, I'm like, what? You're not Mormon? Like, why are you this on us, you know? And I think it was more <laughs> of like, she was trying to do like the right thing or she thought it was right. Or she was just, I don't know, trying like the good she could pass on in her mind. But we go to Mormon church. And so my dad would say, I'm probably seven or eight years old. He's like, so when you go to Sunday school today, I want you to your teacher see God. Go ask him. And then come tell me what they say. I'm like, okay, yeah, got it. So I go to Sunday school and uh, and he was like planting seeds of doubt in my mind this whole time. Or like curiosity of like ask for yourself. I never listen to what people tell you, you know? Uh. And so I go to class, I'm like, over so like, so um sister sister all or whatever. I'm like, why can't you be God? And she like stopped and was just well, because we have to have faith. Like you can't see God. If you could see God, then you wouldn't have faith, right? Faith is so important. <clears throat> class, let's talk. Faith. And kind of like it was a super reaction, right? And he did, I was like, yeah, you don't have an. I'm catching it. You don't have an. So I go back to that. And he's like, yeah. Interesting. And so then he started belling on Sunday morning. I was like getting us ready for church and my children to that cult. Like he's like, agree with this. Like this is bullshit. They, you know, and. So I just grew up things and like, I don't like God, like a fairy tale. He feels like Santa Claus, like doesn't, I don't with it. I don't relate to it. It just is like a story someone's telling me. So, and I, I, from a young age was very interested in cult things and, and, you know, facets of like spiritual practice, but I telling also how you can communicate with God or source telling me that so anyway I think the turning point for me was um even though and I like announced to my family like I don't believe I was like yes you do you know she didn't want to hear it it's like oh yeah use your brain whatever you think you know when I was sick we had girl camp through the Mormon church and we would go for a week and we would go out to camp and it was and so I I loved camp so I went and um it was the last night so we'd been there for a week like doing all our little things um it was the last night and they were like okay it's time for our testimony bearing meeting and so they would do this once a month in church and it was like everyone would get up and just I want to bear my testimony I know this church is I know Gordon B. Hinckley is the true prophet all this shit and it was like really generic. So like we're gonna do our testimony bearing, and I was like, oh, here we fucking go. But instead, they like they walk us down to like the edge of the forest. <laughs> they have this whole huge circle set up. They give each of us a white light, like a light stick. Down, sit in circle, and we put the in front of us so around. You literally just these like white lights, like illuminated faces, and it's all women, only women. And so it's twilight. And like, so it's getting really dark and the darker it got, the more I like got this heightened sense of like, this is like fucking magical. Like I have something in there, like, like palpable, like it's just this energy, you know? And so I was like, whoa, like I've never felt this before. And I know we're here in the name of like the Latter-day Saints, you know, the Mormon church, but 
I don't feel any connection to that, but whatever this is happening right now is like really powerful. So girls were going around and like bearing their testimony and just kind of like talking about how much, how much meaning they found in the week at camp and all this and all the connections they've made. And like, everyone starts crying. Like literally everyone was sobbing. The, the leaders, the older women, the young girls, like we were all just like crying and like holding hands. And it was so fucking magical. And then, you know, slowly like you feel the energy kind of like dissolve and die down as time goes on. And everyone's like said their piece. We go back to our tents. And I just remember like, is this God? Like, was that God? And uh, I, I took that experience and I was like, that, whatever that was, like, I want that in my life. But I still didn't connect it to this Bible version of God. So as time went on, um, I just got more and more interested in like, you know, psychedelics. When I went to college, I'm doing acid and I'm doing mushrooms and I'm having these like really intense feelings and feeling really connected to like being outside. Like every time I tripped, I'm like, I want to go look at the trees. I want to talk to the trees. Like that's all I want to do right now. And then I started to like, like that mm-hmm. feeling would like kind of pop back in sometimes when I was like tripping, talking to the trees or laying in the grass, looking at the sky, you know? And then the more I got into like plants, it was like, okay, cannabis. Okay, cannabis is like psychedelic, but it's also herbal medicine. So like that was my gateway. It is a gateway drug, isn't it? So that was my gateway mm-hmm. into herbal medicine. Ooh, gateway guy. There is something there is something beyond me. I don't know what it is, but I'm like open to receive. And that was like the first time in my life that I was like, I believe in something, you know. So it was like a gradual from that ten year old experience in the woods and then cannabis and then herbal medicine and then one day after doing hair for 10 years I'm like I don't want to fucking do hair anymore like I have to get out of here I need a break and all I care about is plants and plant medicine so I go online and I'm like where can I go to herbal medicine school and the first website that pops up I'm telling you like like if I searched it now this website would be bare like polished websites because it's like obviously not done by a super high tech person. It doesn't have a huge traffic rate. I don't know why this was the first thing that popped up. The school isn't. I mean, I do know, but like at the time, I like you do know why. Like, oh, Putney, Vermont. <laughs> like never heard of it. And so I'm looking, and there's just pictures of all these like gardens and all these like women like holding the leaves of these plants and like you know just standing in communion with the plants and meditating and like fascinating like wildflowers and I'm like yes I'm going there like I don't care what it takes this is a manifestation moment I'm going there like that's for me and I did I saved up money and I made all the arrangements and I found out it was two hours from Boston which I have family um and so I like made it happen there and I did not know that it was going to be a spiritual experience up the school the first day and it's like okay everyone get your cup of linden tea we're gonna like meditate and I'm like, oh, shit, what? And I was so excited because I was like, this isn't just like learning when to <laughs> harvest and what to harvest and how to mix it. This is like learning the spirits and the energies of these plants. And it changed my fucking life. And I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I, I did a year of school there, fucking loved it. And and that's when it all came f- full circle because it was like okay, feeling of this like spiritual with these plants that I've always been drawn to. It- which is like my sanctuary it all just like came together for me and it was like oh 
feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah, I got oh. into meditation. I learned about the chakras. I, I did a lot of research. I plants are like my fucking. So yeah. So that's how that's. I know it really awesome. <laughs> Thanks. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. It's like exactly. a, a blossom that slowly blooms. Like, like, boop, 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 boop. like immediate turning point, but but yeah, I've had experiences since then. I have I do believe that I have experienced and I that's why I feel that I feel that my connection to source is an experience one. I believe I will find it in a book. I don't believe I will find it through any religion, even something like Buddhism or Wicca, you know, like it's all experience for me. So that's how I live and practice and I just Mm-hmm. so yeah i agree i totally agree i like learning about different spiritual modalities and different religions solely because um i'm gonna pick and choose what feels right and use that in my life and the rest of it i'm just gonna let it flow away from me i do remember um when i lived in north dakota the schooling system was so much better in North Dakota. Yes. Word up, Alabama's school system, its education system is fucking horrible. It's ho- so bad. And um, I remember really the first time I heard of a religion that I was like, that's actually for me. I want to know more about that. Is it wasn't it was in like a history book, but there was nothing about it whatsoever except one picture and underneath it, like the being like, this is these people doing this and it was a picture of jainist monks sweeping the ground because jainism is a sect of hinduism and they believe in not killing anything like they're really 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 strict on no murder like what's you you can't eat root vegetables because it kills the plant in order to drink water you have to filter it like seven times before you can drink the water to get as much bacteria out of it as possible they sweep the ground so in front of them so they don't that kill bugs. Devotion. <laughs> like, yeah, and that was like, that's exactly like what I wanted. And like, as a very young child, I learned about this, you know? And also as an even younger child, I've always been like on the forefront of my family being like, life is all equal, life is perfect. Life doesn't need to be taken away just because you don't like it. Let's look at things differently. Like I was saving spiders. I got sent to the office one time for saving, like for saying something about somebody killing a spider. A stupid thing. But you know, I've always been that person who's stood up for life. And you know, I have killed two things in my entire life. And both times I literally mourned their death because I didn't like the first one I didn't mean to do. And the second one I was going through like this super intense awakening moment. And it was like, I have to do the things that scare me because that's the only thing that is going to make me grow. Like if I fear something, then I have to do it. And I did like a bunch of different shit, you know? And one of the things that I couldn't get over was taking a life. So I took a life. I actively chose to take a life and I have wept so many times at the moment because it was the only time in my life where I was like, you, you fly, I caught you. You were going to die now and you will die by my hand. And I put this fly underneath a cup and I walked off and like 
an hour later, I was like, I can't do this. I can't fucking do this. I'm not even in the same room with this fly. And I know that it's suffering and it's dying and it's by my hand. And that is not me. Out of everything that I've mm-hmm. come across, I know that this is not me. Core, core fact is like, that's not me. I can't do it. So I like run back in the room mm. and I take the cup off and the fly is already dead. And I just, I, I lost my shit for like three days, man. I legitimately mourned the yeah. fly because it didn't need to die. I mean, it, it was my choice to kill it. And it was a very big lesson for me because I recognized that your core beliefs, who you are as a core mm-hmm. person, those things will never change no matter what you do. So you shouldn't be afraid of trying new things because if you try something and you're like, mm, that doesn't right. work with me, it's because it doesn't work with one of your core beliefs. I mean, I haven't taken a lot since. (laughs) Amen. But yeah, so really the core of that story was that like from a very early age, I was seeking other modalities of religion and like spirituality and trying to learn about them. And then like when I came to A, I read this tiny little picture, tiny ass little picture with some tiny ass words. And then asked people about it. My teacher didn't know what Jainism was. None of the students knew what Jainism was. My parents didn't know what Jainism was. I came to Alabama and people were like, Jainism? Is that where you like become a girl named Jane? Like, no, this is actually like a very prominent religion in some areas. Like, it's very big. And then like, you know, every now and again, I'll like look up Jain texts and like read them. And it's, it's all just a derivative of Hinduism, really. But actually, um, in college, after I decided that I realized I knew God, you know, I, I went through like a very intense awakening moment where I legitimately thought I was going crazy. And then um, I decided that I wanted to take a dice and then put different symbols for religion on it and then roll the dice and every two weeks roll the dice and maybe put different symbols on it. And um, for two weeks, I would fully, fully believe in that religion and I would learn it I would study it I would do whatever I needed to do about it and I did that I did that with a couple of ones I did uh, I ended up on Jainism which was actually really hard for where I was at because like I like potatoes that's a root vegetable (laughs) I like learned different kinds of like how to get around that like okay well I can eat a lot of pasta (laughs) then because that's not going to kill the plant the plant's already dead at that point (laughs) cool (laughs) you know I didn't drive in cars I walked at that point and I didn't have a broom so it was like Mm -hmm. I had to find ways where I could work within that religion I did two weeks with orthodox orthodoxy which was really fascinating I had a friend who was an orthodox person and he took me to their their meetings and stuff for like two weeks and it was beautiful and fascinating and I loved it and every single time like they would walk in front of Jesus you know they would do the like the Hail Mary thing and since I wasn't actually a part of the church, but I did fully believe it. Like I found the place within me that opened up and allowed myself Mm -hmm. to even for two weeks, fully 100% believe that this is true. Uh, Instead of doing the Hail Mary, because I didn't think I thought that that would have been taking it too far. Like that, because Mm -hmm. in two weeks I'm going to change my mind and not fully believe in this anymore. I'm not going to do this thing that you consider extraordinarily sacred in, in your religion. (laughs) So um, I would always curtsy to Jesus. 
which everyone in the church loved. They were like, we love that you are visiting us and you curtsy to Jesus. Like that's, that's a really beautiful way to show respect in your own way. And then, then from there it was like, okay, I understand that it can be like truly accepted from other religions and other people. Mm -hmm. If I find ways to pay respects in the way that works for me. And now, even to this that. day, I usually, if I see God, Wait, so I usually curtsy or bow. Church, did they, I don't know like, if this is just a Greek thing. Do they have the candles out front that you would like light one and like say your own little prayer and put it in? They did. I like mm-hmm. love that. That's so pagan. Like, come on. That's so fucking mm-hmm. pagan. But I did too. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was Greek Orthodox. Yeah. Well, it was, it was I a know, Greek Orthodox so church. And like embellished. And yeah, they're, they're really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they sing like everything. I do love. I love. Like fuck yes, let's sing everything. Like, okay, I I think I'm knocked out here, guys. You know. Yeah. No. Yeah. It definitely was not the religion for me. Um, I after my two weeks yeah. of that, I was like, okay, did that. What's new? What's next? You know. I looked more into Christianity, you know, I did that for like two weeks. I learned a lot about that. I learned how to read texts from this whole ordeal. I learned how to really, truly read and question and look into a spiritual text way more, which helped me later when I like revisited Buddhism, because honestly, oddly enough, Buddhism was never one of my two weeks. Yeah. But it was a really great experiment. Uh, the reason I did the experiment was to see how far the power of belief could go. You know, like it, I believe that it, we live in an infinite universe, so belief can be infinite. So I can infinitely believe, like truly believe in one religion and also at the mm-hmm. same time, truly believe in a conflicting religion. And I wanted to see if I could actually do that and feel that within my body. And my Greek Orthodox friend was like, I told him about the experiment. <laughs> he was like, you're fucking crazy. How are you doing this? And at that point, it was like I had accumulated like three mm-hmm. different full belief systems that were super, super conflicting, you know? And I found that I could hold all of the belief within me. Like I can fully mm-hmm. 100% believe in paradox, which is then when I started really studying the phenomenon yeah. of paradox which totally changed no, that's such a cool everything experiment. about my life no we'll talk about that in another episode but we're not going to talk about a that cool experiment for anyone to try to see like, yeah <laughs> even just what you could take from each religion like what little lesson you could learn or what you know i mean that sounds amazing true or what religion works for you, you know? Like, some people go into one religion and they're like, this is the only religion I have because it was what I was born into. But, like, check out different religions. Like, if you are a person who likes organized religion, then it works for you. And that's beautiful and great. And I super support that. But find the one that really works for you to have that connection in these experiences. Because spirituality and having communication with source, which is the term I give God has to be experienced it can't just be read about and theorized it doesn't work that way it doesn't work in theory it only works in practice well on that note (laughs) (laughs) and on that note an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes. I hope you guys enjoyed listening like, to our so rambles. Like, I don't know. Therapeutic for us. <laughs>
things too and share them and put them all down in one place. Yeah. And if anybody who is listening to this wants to share their story of how they first came into source and how they first knew it was real, or they're on the journey now to find that, to feel if it's real for them and you want to share, please reach out to us. Tell us, let us know. We love holding space. We love being for that, like being for that. That's the best feeling. So please let us know. We want to know your journey. We want to know where you're coming from. We want to know where you're at. We want to know if you felt these experiences or if you haven't felt these experiences, but want to feel these experiments, yes. experiences, so we can help you with crazy ass you. weird experiments to do. Um, you can reach me on, you can reach me through my email, which is free the healing at gmail.com. F R E E T H E H E A L I N G at gmail.com if you can't figure out how to spell gmail um i don't think you're from this time period i'm also on facebook my name is jackie weaver with the parentheses Cloudwalker on facebook you can find me there and message me there i'm open um, to that so you can find um, me yeah and how can they on find you on instagram at prism dot which p-r-i-s-m dot um, you can find me on Facebook. My name is spelled X A N T H I, last name Diamond. And I'm um, just my first and last name because I'm diamond at gmail.com. So, yeah, we're here for you guys. Yeah, I also have an Instagram. It's wind up wristwatch. <laughs> I'm not going to spell that for you because it's sometimes difficult for me to spell, (laughs) but you can figure it out because they're small words. And if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. I'm usually more active on Instagram, but I am also active on all of the other ones. So like, hit us up. Let us know. As always, we are here for you.